residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania. Here is your host, Michael Lanik. Welcome back to another episode of the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. I'm your co-host, Sarah, and with me, of course, is your host. Hey, everybody. How's, how's it going out there? We uh, we got a fantastic episode on our hands. And I think anybody that's that's watched this uh, this last episode is has got to be excited, uh, a little scared, uh, just based on how everything played out, you know, this in this uh, titled uh, The Beast from the East, it really goes to... I'm sorry? Oh, sorry. Yes, Beast from the Sea. Uh, Sorry, I was... uh, For whatever reason, I got uh, the episode... Or not the episode, the title of a Goosebumps book uh, in my head. By the way, it's a weird tangent, but... um, A movie? Well... (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, I'm fine with going off on a tangent here. Growing up, <laughs> yeah, growing on, growing up, uh, Goosebumps books. If you grew up in the '90s, uh, Goosebumps were huge. Think of before Harry Potter. Um, maybe not quite the you know massive sensation that Harry Potter was when it exploded, uh, but not that far off. Goosebumps was the books every. You know, kid between the ages of say ten and sixteen, seventeen years old read because he just he wrote a ton of them, or Alice Stein did. And the Beast, the Beast from the East, was in my opinion, and I read a lot of them. I didn't read all the Goosebumps books; there were a ton. But I can honestly say that the Beast from the East is probably one of, if not the best. Goosebumps book that I ever read, and that's saying something because there were some really good ones, and um, it's really fantastic. It's I'm trying to remember. It. It's like brother and sister out camping, and they kind of get lost. They go for a walk, they get lost, and they end up encountering these 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 beasts, almost like wolf like creatures, and they have to play a game. And if they don't play it correctly, and they're like there's like these safe spots. And then there's, you know, I mean, there's all these rules and stuff, but it's just, it's, it's just a, f- a fantastic book. Uh, I could probably sit down and read it now. It, it's that, yeah. it's that fun. So, anyway, so there's my little tangent, having completely messed up the title of this, uh, this last episode of the show. <laughs> yes, I, anybody who lives in the '90s gotta love the goosebumps. I was a uh... I think I was five when it started, and uh, so I'd, I wasn't reading the books, but I would always sneak out while my parents were asleep to watch it at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a terrible child I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it was so amazing. Like, yes. like, The Mask, The Mask, the first the first episode they ever made of that show. Um, I remember when that came out. I think that was like, I want to say it was like 1996 maybe, uh, 95, 96, somewhere in there. Um, when that came out, when that, when they did that first episode, like, it was huge. It was a huge deal. Yeah. Like, I, they were like hyping that thing up for, for weeks and weeks leading up to, to the, the premiere. Um, 
So, yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> yes. Basically, what we're trying to say is, if you don't, if you find you're like looking for some kind of really quick book to read and you don't want to just drag out a tomb, um, it's an easy read. It's not difficult to, it's, to comprehend anything that, that R.L. Stein throws at you. But that being said, they're just fun, well-written books. That's it. So, mm-hmm. you know, give them a chance, go to your local library, pull that tattered copy of, uh, Monster Blood off the shelf, and have fun. So, there's my, uh, endorsement. Anyway, so, getting to what we're actually here for, um, so this episode was amazing. Um, we were just chatting a little bit about it, uh, before we started recording, and, uh, we both agree it is, just amazing and there's a sequence in this episode that may be the best of the entire season so and that's saying something because there have been some pretty excellent um sequences that we've gone through um and this is this is probably the tensest one yeah so yeah um so all right let's um let's jump into this this recap here uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes in this episode. Uh, so let's, let's kind of just get started here. And the episode starts out with, uh, with Jack. Well, it starts out actually with, uh, Francis chewing up and eating the painting. Mm-hmm. And then we transition. Again? Yes, yes. Uh, and I'm sure that, uh, Richard Armitage probably really loved eating that paper, <laughs> chewing on it. Mmm. Some flavoring in there, guy. Yeah. Maybe a little barbecue. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'd be asking for something to, you know, make it a little more palatable. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, we get we get a little bit of that, and then it goes right into uh, a discussion between Jack, Will, and Alana, and they're talking about the ramifications of you know him eating the Blake painting. Um. Alana is, you know, she talks a little bit about, uh, trying to, to stop, you know, the killing, you know, feeling that Francis might be attempting to stop because she didn't kill the employee, just, you know, knocked her out. Yeah. And Jack sees it more like it might be weak. It might be a weak point for him. Um, thinking maybe they could push, you know, the tooth fairy to kind of kill himself, maybe suicide, which he yeah. thinks is just fine. Turn his destruction on himself. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Jack asks Will if Hannibal provided any information about, about Francis. And, uh, he said he knew where he'd be. You know, he knows that, uh, he knows that who, he basically he knows who the dragon is and, you know, he, tr- he probably, you know, treated him. Like all the psychos around here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh great, you know, puppet master, you know, pulling strings. Let's let's whip out that uh, sweet Metallica song. <laughs> uh, that should be playing as an intro for every time Hannibal pops up in a scene. It's be- all that would play. <laughs> yes, it's all it would play, and it'd be like the most perfect song for Hannibal Lecter ever. You know, until they come out with a song about a cannibal eating people, that's pretty much the best you've got. So, um. And, uh, so then we move into, uh, another therapy session with Francis discussing with Hannibal, 
the moment he first saw the Great Red Dragon, and Hannibal is basically telling him exactly what he wants to hear, isn't he? Yeah. He's kind of just pushing him along. Like, Francis already knows what he's going... Francis is scared, and Hannibal's just kind of pushing him to do what in his nature when he's scared to do and what the red dragon would want him to do. Yeah, I mean he he loves well, I mean he he loves Reba and this is this episode really I mean I'll get more to more of this later, but this episode really illustrates the the split between the two forces pulling and pushing Francis. Um, not not even discounting um, you know Hannibal and what he's doing pulling the strings, but with with Francis there's the half of him that's human that wants Reba, um, and there's the, of course the other half which is the Great Red Dragon and these two completely separate forces pulling him in completely opposite directions and then you have Hannibal up there tweaking things you know pushing. You know, with his strings, trying to get Francis into a certain direction. As he does. Yeah, I mean, he does it better than anybody has ever probably done anything. You know, he's so good at it. And it's kind of it, he's perfectionist. Yeah, and, and he's, it's effortless for him, because he knows exactly how hard to push, and when to soothe, and when to, you know, admonish somebody, and it really, well, I mean, it's not hard, I think, to do this with Francis. With Will, it's a lot more difficult because Will's so much more, you know, I think intelligent and aware. Whereas Francis is so, he's been so sheltered all his life, really, that he can be manipulated very easily. Yeah, there's like a childlike, gullible innocence in there. Yeah, is is scary as that sounds, <laughs> considering what he is. Yeah. And, um, so, there's a point where, where Francis says, I don't want to give her to the dragon, um, and Hannibal says, you can always toss the dragon to someone else. Yeah, basically, yeah. feed him something else, and, go and, back, do what you've been doing. Well, I mean, it, it's a, it's a bait, it's a bait, yeah. because the moment he says that, they start talking about Will. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Will Graham interest me?" And um, and this is just you know, and you could tell that this has been Hannibal's plan from the start here, which is getting it around to Will, and then saying, "Guess what? He has a family." Mm-hmm. And then he says that lovely line, "Kill them all, save yourself." Yes. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so, so yeah. No. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, the next scene we get has Francis uh, checking on some film. So run us through this scene because because Reba's there and it appears initially like they're going to have another um, slow mo sex scene. I suppose I just assumed that's what we were going to get, but uh, but it's not really that, and it's more um, just casual drinking some wine, hanging out at the house, I guess. Yeah, from a distance they kind of look like a normal couple hanging out cuddling on the couch but it's more a creepy date because francis is doing his homework for his next victims and 
he's watching video he's been taping of Molly and Walter, and they're completely oblivious to it. Yeah, well, of course. Terrifying. Yeah, and it's just one of those scenes where it's it's all the more freaky because Reba's there, and, and even though she's blind, it just it's like you're combining these two scenes that have no business being together. This this scene of normalcy, you know, with them just kind of cuddling on the couch, she's laying on them, you know, kind of zonking out a bit, and. Meanwhile, he's sitting there, you know, doing his homework, you know, planning out how he's going to, you know, kill these, these, this family. This nice family, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like two things that should, like oil and water completely, should not be together, and yet they are, oddly They're enough. Sitting in a pot together. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it's just, I don't know, I was, I was watching it, and it, I don't know, it's just it's so creepy. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so from there we got to move into a scene with with some sick dogs. So what, what do we got yeah. there? Those poor dogs. I like the scene. Um, Molly's hanging out on the porch reading the paper, having her morning coffee, and it's beautiful. Like I just, I would love to have that house in the winter time all the time. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I could totally dig that. And um, but anyways, Walter runs up saying the dogs are acting kind of funny and turns out that they got like some food poisoning she rushes him to the vet immediately and um i love this vet scene that um they think because they're changing her diet that they might be reacting to different foods and so she's just is it bad to have food from china <laughs> like, yeah yeah it is <laughs> I, I thought that was hilarious too because it's like i don't think i would ever feed a, a, anybody or dog or human anything from china um, unless it is very obviously safe. Um, yes. And even then, it's probably not going to happen. And I love the line when Walter's like, are the dogs going to die? And Molly's just like, no, they're not going to die, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, please tell me. Give me some good news. <laughs> Don't let me tell my kid they're going to die. <laughs> yeah, it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have their conversation about not telling Will about it because Will already has so much on his plate, and Walter asks, so you want me to lie? And she's like, no, it's not a lie if you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> like, that's such a great thing to say. Yeah, yeah, it's this nice little scene where it's like, okay, in this instance, I'd rather lie than have to tell Will that I'm responsible for the, like, sick dogs or dying or dead dogs. Yeah, so. but <laughs> if she had told him, he might have known, like, oh. Yeah, well, that's true. He probably would have known and come home. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but then we wouldn't have gotten that great scene. <laughs> yes, it, that's true. So you gotta get a give and take. Um, <laughs> so next we have uh, we have Will and Hannibal, and there's real there's real hostility there, uh, especially coming from Will. Of course, uh, he comes out and pretty much just, you know. Tells Hannibal that hey look I know you've been contacting the Red Dragon I know it's I know you two have been you know having this nice little dialogue between the two of you and I love this really great line where he says you know about how they could possibly be contacting one another and <laughs> yes. he says how do you suppose he's contacting me personal ads which of course you know if anybody's read the book you know that um, in the in the book that's how they did contact one another and, and uh, 
correspond is through personal ads. And writing on the toilet paper. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was fantastic. A nice little joke there, a little in-joke for people that know the source material. Yep. Um, so then, Will, there's this nice little meta conversation that goes uh, in next here where Will, you know, he's, he's basically admonishing Hannibal for letting these victims uh, be chosen. And, you know, they talk about, you know, how is he choosing them? And he's like, oh, social media, media, you know, privacy settings, can't be too careful, that kind of thing. You know, just basically pulling Will along. But, you know, but Will starts to admonish Hannibal because, you know, these victims, you know, how can you possibly let let him do this? Which I think is kind of a dumb question considering everything that Hannibal's done so far. But, you know, whatever. And yeah, just, he's, you know, he's trying to appeal to his merciful side, which rarely exist. is there. <laughs> yes, yes, not very merciful ever. Um, and, you know, he says, you know, basically you're, you're willing to let them die. And he says, you know, something along the lines of that they're not they're not my family. And I'm not letting them die. You are. Yep. And it's such a meta conversation because obviously this is Will's family and he is letting them die, I guess, just because of the fact he's not there. Yes. And so I thought that was a very it's a very nice little conversation, the way they developed it and, and kind of pulled that along there. Um, and so I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to let you do this scene because you love it so much. Yes, I gotta tell everybody, this was my favorite scene this season. It was very reminiscent of Clarice in the darkness being hunted by Jamie Gum. I got that intense, hold your breath while the scene's happening kind of feeling. And, um, so it starts out with Francis decked out in dark clothing and he's got shit kicker boots on and the manhunter toque. I liked that, kind of a throwback, even though he used pantyhose, way creepier, but I prefer this. And he's going along the porch, kind of just circling around to get to the front door, and Molly hears the creaking in the wood. Great alarm system, because <laughs> you know no one else is creaking around if you're in bed. But um, so she wakes up, puts on her slippers that kind of silence everything, and she immediately goes to Walter's room, gets his coat on, gets him out the window. She knows something's wrong, and very smartly, just tells him to wait by the car, count to 100. If she doesn't come out or if somebody else that he doesn't know comes out, he runs for the road. And then it's kind of a great, intense scene where they're just... He, she's going through the house quietly, and he's creaking along, and she's just trying to avoid him. And she gets outside, and he realizes he's throwing the covers back, and they're not in bed, and he freaks out. They already know... He doesn't know how far they've gotten, how how close he could be to getting caught, and so he's panicking. Goes out into the porch. She's just under the porch. I love this scene, by the way. It was great. They're, how she's watching Walter, and he's going towards the car, and she throws the wood to distract him, and Walter runs over. She gets a hold of him. And then she sets up the car alarm, and he shoots up the car like Swiss cheese. I loved that. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. You're right. It was great. It was great. The little silencer pistols turning this car to nothing. Like, wow. Holy cow. Well, I guess it's not body armor. Yeah. God. <laughs> Anyways, they're running out towards the road as fast as they can. She's so smart. And she 
runs out into the road, flags down a car, it spins out of control. This guy comes out and she doesn't get back in the car and poof, guy's head's gone. So she just throws Walter in, she gets in and she's speeding off and he's still trying to shoot at them and I guess he gets her probably through the chest, I'm guessing that's where it got him. Got her? I, I thought so. I was a little confused initially because um when it, we went to the, we go to the hospital um, I was like, but did she get hit? Because I didn't see it, and I didn't. Initially, I didn't. I guess on the first viewing, I didn't really understand like how she was in surgery or in the hospital at all. But you know, obviously, with with everything that happened, she must have she must have been hit too. Yeah, I, I, to me, it looked like she got clipped in the shoulder, but she had to get clipped somewhere. There's like a lung or something, because you wouldn't go into surgery if you just needed a couple stitches. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's just something we just didn't see quite perfectly, but that's fine. So, but but you know she didn't get hit, yeah. yeah. And um, so then then from there we go into the hospital. Will rushes in. He's you know obviously frantic because he did, he's just trying to make sure everything's okay. And you know there's, he talks with with Molly, with Wally um, <laughs> while Molly's in surgery, and he. Um, he just wants to know, you know, is this is this this psycho, you know, is this psycho want to want to kill, you know, you, Will? Um, and Will says basically that they don't know what he he really wants. And then you know, Wally asks if if Will is um, going to kill the man, and Will explains, you know, they want to catch him. Um, they want to put him where he needs to be, which would be in a, in a mental hospital in a facility, and and they kind of transition because Wally kind of just blurts out that he read a newspaper article that they said that Will was once put in a mental hospital and he killed a man. Yeah. And uh, Will tells him the truth, and you know asks him if that if that really bothers him. Yeah, and Walter kind of just shrugs it off and says. You, you shouldn't put this guy away. You should kill him then. And it just brings, like, this poor kid. He's probably so scared. His mom's hurt. And he's upset. And he's got to take it out on somebody. So he's taking it out on Will and taking his anger out. And essentially saying he wished that same would happen to Will. Just kind of letting anger out. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um... It, yeah, it's 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 kind of unsettling because you, but at the same time, you know, as a kid, you just worry about your parent and your mom, and you know, I'm sure he he loves and cares about Will as well, but it's also, is your mom, this is your blood, and and it's understandable that he would be angry and looking to put the blame somewhere because he he's also had to go through a pretty terrifying <laughs> thing, and and he's come out on the other end alive, but. You know, it's also damaged him a little bit in its own way. So yeah, because your perfect idea of your parents always protecting you is kind of broken when your father figure, who's supposed to protect, you know, the mother and the child, isn't there, and it just kind of shatters your innocence a bit. Yeah. Um. Next thing we get, we have. Uh, well, I mean, we have. Well, first of all, well, you know, it's speaks with Jack a little bit and basically it's like I just got destroyed by a 10 year old <laughs> basically that's what it comes down to yep. um, and then we get this scene where Alana confronts Hannibal and 
you know, starts taking away the things that he, the, the creature comforts that he's used to. And I love this, this new take on the Hannibal mask that they, they throw him in. Yeah, they haven't, that little later in the episode, this is where she calls him out on his lawyer not actually calling him. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, I totally agree with you about the mask, yeah. though. <laughs> uh, uh, that's right, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he kind of, yeah, right, he does, he goes, she does call him out on that, and, uh, it's, it's just, you could see the fury, the ice cold fury in her, in her eyes and her face. <laughs> it's, it's, she's, she knows that she's responsible for keeping him in there, but also keeping him under control, and he's, he's found ways to circumvent all, you know, all that, and still yes. be able to manipulate events outside. Yep, so she's going to try and turn it around, take it for her advantage, and the next time the Red Dragon calls, to get a trace on the call. Yeah. And that's that's what, you know, when Jack comes in, and, uh, you know, so they both kind of have this conversation with Hannibal, and pretty much just tell him, you know, you better do this or else. Yes. Um, It'll all be your stuff gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what's the next scene here? What do we got? We got... What do we have next? The next scene, um, Francis is pretty much getting his ass handed to him by the red dragon. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, you know what this scene reminded me of? It reminded me of that scene in Fight Club. I don't, have you ever seen Fight Club? Yes. Okay. It's, 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 for, it's all I could think of is <laughs> when Edward Norton goes into that office and just starts just beating the shit out of himself and, I'm trying to remember that line in Fight Club. I, I, it's been too long. It's, it's, it's yeah, oh, yeah. And there's, and there's another scene. Uh, it reminds me of two, two completely different movies, but it reminds me of the Fight Club scene, and it reminds me of Dumb and Dumber when basically, not Dumb and Dumber, um, Liar Liar, uh, Jim Carrey, <laughs> when he just beats beats himself up in there, and and yeah. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, it's like one of my all-time favorite scenes. He's just when he's got himself basically just crushed, and the guy walks in and he's like, "I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind?" <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a great movie. It's, it, it's yeah, it's great. Anyway, so yeah, there's this scene that basically where, and it's really well done because if it's not done just right in the context and with the the tone of this show, it could come off as very unbelievable and kind of corny. Yeah. But the way they do it, they really, you could tell they really took the time to figure out how to do it and frame it in just the right way that it actually looks like he's being kicked around by an entity, really. Mm-hmm. It was great. He was, I don't know, it was just, it was I totally believed it. I totally believed that his psyche, he, that he believed the Red Dragon was hurting him and not just himself doing it. Like he, the acting was great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I think that it, he really, they really pulled it off well. I, I didn't at any point think, oh, okay, this looks fake. It just looked very believable. And that takes a lot. It takes a high, level of acting ability and polish as a writing team and as a director and everything because 
to pull that off, it, it actually it may not look amazing to, to some people, but trust me, that scene there took probably a lot of talking and discussing <laughs> and figuring out how they're going to do it and trying things out and thinking that's not working, it doesn't look right, and just until they got it right. That, yeah. It takes a lot of trial and error. Yeah, and I'm backtracking for a second to Edward Norton. It just occurred to me that Edward Norton not only was in Fight Club, but he was Will in The Red Dragon. I did just put that together. Oh, that's right, which is funny because that that, <laughs> that movie was on yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch all of it because I was busy, but I did watch, um, mm, I'd say the first 15 minutes or so. So I got to see the opening uh, with Hannibal uh, back in... When they when he was first caught, and I saw the uh, the opening with uh, Crawford coming to talk him into coming back to help out with the with the case. So, yeah. but that's pretty cool. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 it's okay. It's 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 the one movie Brett Brett Rushour Ratner ever made that uh, I didn't just make me want to puke. Yeah. Good so, <laughs> So, okay, so anyway, so after that scene, that, that complete beatdown, uh, by himself happens, um, it, it's, it's a scene here which is kind of like, the, after that beatdown, you could tell that he's kind of just given himself completely over to the Red Dragon. And you see Francis, uh, waiting for, for Reba to come back to her, you know, the, the projection room, um, and they they have a discussion. He talks. He asks her about her memory of light. He says, "Do you remember the light? Um, is it worse to have seen it?" And she tells him that while she can't have the light, there are things she can have. And it's it's a really well, it's a really great answer, um, because it, it's an answer that I don't think Francis thought was going to be coming and. He kind of breaks down. Yeah. And he, you know, he doesn't, he's like, I don't know what's happening. Um, he says, you know, you, you threaten me, but you don't threaten me. Reba, you know, basically tells him it's okay to be confused. Yeah. And she, I like this, she touches his mouth just like she had touched the tiger's mouth. I thought it was a great little moment. She's trying to soothe him, but it just doesn't work. He's made his mind up. Yeah, and that's when he says, I can't be with you. Um, I'm afraid I'll hurt you. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if she believes or doesn't believe, but either way, she just needs him to leave because she's going to be upset very soon and doesn't want him to see that. Yeah. And uh, from here, we move on to a scene with Hannibal. Uh, He gets a call from, from, of course, Francis, who is, you know, sobbing his his heart out. Um, Yeah. And he says, you are the dragon, uh, you don't have to be afraid. Uh, he says, you are becoming, and the dragon is your higher self. And Francis is actually, you know, he wants advice on women. <laughs> uh, which, don't go to Hannibal Lecter for that. No. Um, yeah. Especially not with Alana in the room. <laughs> and this is another scene where we see Hannibal, of course, manipulating very well. And he basically tells Francis that that he's letting himself be blinded by Reba, um, but you know it's kind of in doing so, 
it blocks his own tr- like real feelings that that it's kind of just holding them back. She, Reba is basically holding him back from uh, his true potential. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they have a scene where um, Jack and Alana are listening, and Hannibal is just kind of letting him talk and sob until the point where he just says they're listening and hangs up, and then he gets or Francis gets tipped off and gets the heck out of there. Yeah. And, of course, now now we get to the scene where Hannibal's in his cell, and uh, he's in a straight jacket, and he has his protective mask on his face. Um, and it it's, it's it's such a well... I love the mask. I, I thought this it's a really nice update to the one that's very iconic. Yes, I love that Will's was clear and Hannibal's is white. Because we don't need to see... We need to see Hannibal's eyes, and that's all we need to see. Mm-hmm. With Will, we needed to see his his whole face. Yes. Even... I love... I love that they covered the mask because... His eyes. He can just do so much with only his eyes. And it's, it's so creepy what he can do. Yeah, I agree, and it's just it, it's such a nice scene there. It's very iconic. Yes. Um, so then we have uh, you know, Hannah or Lana is there, and he's and she says a nice little line there. Says, "You're not the only one who keeps promises, Hannibal." And she promised him that he, you know, she would do this. She would take this stuff away, take away his dignity, take away his toilet if he if he did not behave himself. Technically, he did what they wanted. They got the trays. So I don't see the problem. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Yeah. Um, he also tipped him off at the same time, but he did hold up his end of the bargain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue that he did, in fact, but I guess in their eyes, he screwed them over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and Hannibal's mind is like, I did my part. This isn't fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, now that's the last time I ever do that, ever you know, agree to do this stuff. Um, <laughs> and next we have Molly in the hospital. She's awake. Will's there, and he, you know, assures her that Wally's safe, that the dogs are safe. Um, and he he tells her without telling her that, that she did a great job escaping. Mm-hmm. And um, she tells him that he looks different. Um, and he said he would be course and that's it's true um and she she blames herself i mean she blames jack too she blames herself because she feels probably a lot of guilt over you know how things are turning out with this case and yeah it's just i I think i think there's a lot of guilt there yeah because she essentially she feels she sent him she told him to go and do this and all the repercussions are because of what she did that's how she feels and um, I love uh, uh, Will tells her that the dragon came after them because Hannibal suggested it, and she says it's a clammy, sick feeling. I'm like, yes, it would be very sickening to know that you're being hunted by the red dragon, and also your husband's other husband, the cannibal, suggested it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I'd feel sick too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it's. Man, like what, what? Okay, I can't really add anything to that. You just kind of <laughs> did a good job. Um, but yeah, anyway, I mean, 
he confesses that that he hates this, uh, says he's sorry, and she says it's tough to hold on to anything good. It's also slippery. Yeah, I mean, well, that goes without saying. I think we've noticed that throughout the series. Yes. Um, yeah. Slick as hell. <laughs> and so this here, I mean, after this scene um, where she's confessing to him about how scared she is, basically, and and we you know, he leaves the hospital and he basically goes straight to Hannibal. To um, angry. Yeah. And he's he's he is pissed. Yeah. Um, I, I just had it up to here with you, crazy sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah, crazy sons of bitches. I thought loved it. It's a great line. Um, and of course, Handel was being himself, you know, dissecting the line that he that just uttered, and you know, finding a way of elongating their conversation even more, and really kind of stretching it out. And he will asks uh, what Hannibal did for the dragon, or what Hannibal said to the dragon. He says, "Save yourself, kill them all, and then I gave him your home address." So he's he's not trying to hide, of course, anything that he's done. He's willing completely to admit that you know he pretty much put the hit out. Yep, I was being an asshole. I yeah. was having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, with you, every day is a bad day. Um, <laughs> Uh, so then we'll, we'll, our uh, Hannibal Fried's will, uh, with some more insight, um, into the, into the red dragon. He says, you know, before, uh, he was the dragon, the shy boy would have never dared any of this. And Will says that, uh, now he thinks he can do anything. Anything at all. Anything at all. And then the red dragon lightly thinks, uh, you're as much a monster as you think he is. That's what Hannibal said to Will. And Will says, this isn't a, a competition. Hannibal says, Tells Will that for Francis the Great Red Dragon is freedom. Hannibal tells Will that the that the dragon craves change. Um, and so he didn't murder those families; he changed them. So it it's it's such a an odd way to end you know the episode, but I thought that it was fitting. Yeah. Because we're getting into the to you know the very end here. Yes, everything could change next episode. Exactly. If our theory is correct, it could Red Dragon could completely wrap up next episode. That's very, that's very true. You're right. Mm, I don't like that it's only two episodes. <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. But we're barreling down. Um, yeah, but it, it's, it's just a, a really fantastic episode. And I wanted to, to bring up a, a bit of a subject here. Um, there's always been a lot of talk about what the show's about, and I was watching this episode, and something just kind of struck me. And I think, really, a lot of what this this series is about is the the argument between choice and what you already are, I suppose. I mean, like... Do we have any choice in what we do or or not? Or is it all just instinct? You know? Um, so basically to illustrate this, it's it's you take Hannibal, who is someone who believes that you should only do what you ever want to do. Be damned the consequences. Or be damned people who don't agree. And that's one way of looking at things. That's certainly how Hannibal Lecter looks at things. He doesn't care who he has to kill. Right? Yep. And, and <laughs> We've all seen it. 
Exactly. And and on the other side here, you've got you've got the possibility of choice. And so, uh, to me, this the series has really been about Will's struggle between wanting to choose for himself who he is and being told by someone else that he really has no choice, that he's hiding behind a family, that this isn't really him. And, you know, it's just on and on and on. And I just, to me, it's a big thing in this in this um, in this this show is the the difference between um, those who believe that you can choose to do anything you want to do and those who just believe that um, rules don't apply and that you do whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it and it doesn't matter who it hurts. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the show is, it's like an, it's elevated beyond good versus evil. It's, you know, choice versus what somebody else is tell you, tells you. It's somebody that you trust. It's all about, I totally agree. It's all about the choices that you make. Will definitely represents that side, where Hannibal definitely represents the manipulative, you're going to do as I say kind of side. Yeah. I mean, I I look at, basically, you know, I look at these, these two characters here, Will and, and Francis, and I, if you look at Hannibal, he doesn't view himself as shattered, psyche-wise. He doesn't view um, Will as damaged, or that he is un, unstable, um, or or you know whether it's yeah so whether it's Will or whether it's it's um, Francis it he Will Hannibal doesn't view them in a negative light, right? It's yeah. it's not he doesn't see it that way, and whereas with with Francis and Will, they're two people who are constantly fighting, Hannibal would argue, their own true selves. That they're trying to do everything they can to quell that thing inside of them that they, they shouldn't quell. And I think that's a, that's a big struggle in this show, is, is that kind of issue that, that both Will and Francis have, is part of them wants to be the good people. Francis that half of him wants to be with Reba. The half of Will wants to be with Molly and Wally and just sit in a cabin and, and do fun things and play with dogs and just do all that. So the question is, you know, are they are they are they living up to what they really should do in life? Okay, should they be whatever they want to be, or should they make a choice and live with the consequences? Well, of course, I say you should always be what you want to be within the realm of, you know, not hurting anybody else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Francis. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yes. I think it's, it's the show's very much, there's Hannibal who, or I guess even there's Bedelia who, with the philosophy of you'd see a bird and your instinct would be to crush it, and then there's Will whose instinct would be to help it. It's about completely about who you are, the choice you're going to make. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, 
it, it this this episode was just great. Um, I guess we, you know finishing up this recap here and review it, it. It was just a really excellent episode. It was tense. It really pushed the narrative along very quickly. Um, it touched on the moments that were necessary, but it didn't. There didn't feel like there was anything uh, extraneous about this episode. No no scenes that went on too long. No scenes that I felt could have been cut out completely. Um, just. Just a good old-fashioned fantastic episode from from beginning to end. Yes. Yeah, I have no complaints. It was a 10 out of 10 for me. This was a great episode. Same here. I thought it was just excellent. It was just full of chock full of great stuff. So, um, so yeah, anyway, it's just, yeah, it was a great time uh, watching this episode. I can't wait until the next one. So, um, but you can't really ask for better than... The stakes being uh, getting higher with, with each episode as we get closer to the end. It should it should get progressively, you know, more tense, scary, all that. Yeah, and I mean, up until now, we've kind of known the Red Dragon storyline and what's going to happen, but they've eliminated the ending that the Red Dragon has already with uh, Molly and Walter. So we actually don't know what's going to happen next episode or how they're going to wrap it up, and that's exciting. Yeah, I I totally agree. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, We're so giddy. <laughs> oh, I know. It's 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 you know when you watch this these episodes, um, and you're prepping for this this podcast, you have to do a lot of thinking. You know, you got to do a lot of analyzing, self examination. You know, pounding your your head off the computer screen. <laughs> um, but you, it's necessary. You know, to make sure that it's done well. Um, yes. So we put a lot of you put a lot of time and a lot of effort into you know doing the recap and the review and making sure that everyone can follow along. So, but I think we do we do a pretty good job. <laughs> I have no complaints. No. <laughs> and we um, get enough feedback, so yeah. I think they like it too. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of feedback, nice segue, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we do have some feedback, so we can, yeah, transition right into our feedback segment. And, uh, so we got, uh, we got three, uh, emails this week, and two were sent, I believe, the day after we recorded our podcast. So, I'm gonna start out here with, uh, uh, Somic, uh, Somic Holder, I apologize if I completely butcher, uh, names. Um, so anyway, he says, Hi, Michael and Sarah. In regards to your final word question about whether we would want Hannibal to come back with or without Brian Fuller, while I do, whilst I don't doubt that there are some very talented people who could take his place, I would prefer the show to finish now rather than risk it becoming substandard. In my opinion, many shows run for too long or have too many episodes per season, which inevitably leads to the equality uh, suffering. Hannibal's 13 episodes a season has kept it lean and focused. It also feels like we've had more than three seasons of Hannibal due to the mid-season changes of narrative. Season one was pretty much solidly a killer of the week procedural, but season two had the incarceration of Will, and then the introduction of the Vergers. Season three uh, had Hannibal in Italy and now Red Dragon, so we've actually had five narrative arcs that feel quite distinct. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I, I can't uh, I can't disagree with anything you said so far, uh, Samic. Uh, definitely, we've been lucky. Um, they they could have canceled it after season one, and yeah. it's possible. It's certainly possible. Or season two. So let's just 
on one hand, yes, you know, hopefully it comes back at some point, but let's also be very happy with what we've managed to get so far. Heck so, yeah. He says, uh, he goes on to say, we also, uh, seen a lot of key scenes from the books and films already played out. So what would a fourth season contain? On the other hand, the fact that Hugh Dancy has signed on to another show doesn't necessarily mean that Hannibal can't return sooner rather than later. I believe Will Graham's character doesn't appear in canon after Red Dragon, so perhaps the only actors on the show really need uh, in order to do another season are Mads and Lawrence. Maybe uh, Raul for for uh, Chilton, and uh, who knows, the fate of those characters is yet to be determined, and it may deviate from the canon itself, which of course is very true. Um, if they were to go into, say, Sons of the Lambs, it's very well possible that Will would not be in the season at all, or might they might change it up. They may, you know, give him a um, more of a mentor role or something uh, for Clarice. So maybe that would involve, you know, him in the show, but not quite to the extent that it is now. Yeah, he wouldn't so. have to be in like every episode. Yeah. And it says he concludes that uh, I must. He says I must conclude by going back to my original stance. Hannibal was college from the start to finish. I don't want to be spoiled. If that means the end of the show now, then so be it. Of course, I'll be very sad though. So yes, won't we all? Yes, thank you, thank you, Stomach. Uh, excellent uh, email there. Um, some wonderful thoughts uh, pertaining to the show itself. And yes, I'd rather something see something going out on the top of its game rather than kind of fade away slowly. And by the time you actually do get to the end, it's just a husk of its former self. Yeah, I completely agree. So. I have a little side note that this kind of reminded me. Um, last episode we recorded about like two hours after we finished up, uh, my notifications popped up and Mads Mikkelsen, who doesn't do like Comic-Con or rarely does like appearances, he's going to be at Fan Expo Canada in Toronto. So if any of you live out there, Go see him. Are you going to go? I freaking wish. <laughs> <laughs> if I had like an extra thousand dollars to go and stay at a hotel room, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I think it's uh, pretty much, that's all, that's everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, psh, I just, you know, I got that extra two grand in the bank. I don't need to do anything with it. So, I'm just gonna... so yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can just pray he comes to Fan Expo Vancouver next year and... I'm like, sign my arm so I can tattoo it to my skin. <laughs> uh, yeah, because then that'd be awesome if he, if, if he, if he came to that and they were like, oh, by the way, Hannibal's coming back. Like, oh my god, I'd be like, sign that on my arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, I'm part of a podcast, so this is a big deal. Can I just get a quick interview with you, by the way? Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally would. <laughs> um, alright, so we have, uh, more feedback here. We have one from David. Um, he says, dear Michael and Sarah, I think I personally couldn't risk a lesser show running, runner coming in and ruining the whole thing, so I'll pick the pass option. Um, although I do think that Brian Fuller will be able to pick up even after a couple of years have gone by. Heck, if Twin Peaks next files can get that, uh, why can't Hannibal? <laughs> yeah, 30 years, I think, they've yeah. spaced in. Yeah, that, uh, okay, I, I don't want that much time to pass. Um, Me neither. <laughs> I, don't. I don't want to be like 50 when this comes back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're finishing up, everybody, and look, there's Mads. Oh, man, he's tottering around. Um, I'm too old to eat the food they actually cook on the show. <laughs> I've got to gum it. <laughs> exactly. It says, uh, it says um, also, I'm sorry that I haven't written, haven't written you for several episodes. 
I can evoke the joke of a German kid who didn't speak until he was seven years old. That's too salty, mother. Oh, thank God you can talk, but why didn't you say anything before? Um, because everything was satisfactory before, but, but that would be lying just because, because I do have some stuff to share, mostly about episode seven. Okay. So here it goes. I remember you saying that Alana committed murder when she shot the guard in the pig pen. From what I saw, Alana only uh, tranked the guard, but Hannibal probably killed him dead later. The real hand dirtying came later when Alana and Margot helped Mason die. Yes, uh, we did get initially get this wrong. I think we, we both um, thought the same thing. And I believe the next episode, we were kind of caught up on that uh, a little bit. And someone said basically we just said, which was um, that it wasn't... Hannibal, or it wasn't Alana, it was, it was Hannibal that, that ultimately probably killed him. So. Okay, I like that trank thing. Makes me. Yeah. Like a little more of her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably closer to the truth. Um, Hannibal blooding a hammer is a, a callback to the book where Margo smashed her way through the henchmen, uh, including Cordell, before reaching Mason. In the book, Mason also dies by eel, but Margo actually had to wear special gloves to pick the fish out of the tank and pry open Mason's jaw to do it. So, yes. A little yeah. different. A little the different. TV world can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, they get a lo- they get away with, with enough on this show. Uh, <laughs> I says, I'm surprised that Google failed you in the iron and silver thing. It was part of a much longer letter that Hannibal sent to Clarice in Chapter 5 of Hannibal the Novel. And it goes on to say, Dear Clarice, I have followed with enthusiasm the course of your disgrace and public shaming. My own never bothered me, except for the inconvenience of being incarcerated, but uh, you may lack perspective. In our discussions down in the dungeon, it was apparent to me that your father, the dead night watchman, figures large in your value system. I think your success is putting an end to Jamie, to Jame Gum's career as a, a courtier uh, pleased you most because you could Imagine your father doing it. And now you are in a bad ajoir with uh, the FBI. Have you always imagined your father ahead of you there? Have you ever imagined him as section chief or better yet, uh, better even than Jack Crawford or a deputy director watching your progress with pride? And now you see him shamed and crushed by your disgrace, your failure, uh, the sorry, petty end of a promising career. Do you see yourself doing the menial tasks your mother was reduced to after the addicts busted a, a cap on your da- on your daddy? <laughs> will your value will your failure reflect on them? Will people ever will people f- um, forever wrongly believe that your parents are tra- were trailer camp tornado bait white trash? Tell me <laughs> truly, special agent Starling. Gotta wait words that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, this this kind of goes on for for quite a while. Um, I didn't actually see how long this was, and it's it's quite a long letter, which um, it would probably take me about another five minutes to read this. Um, but anyway, it, it's it's you're right. It's part of a longer letter that we were talking about. Um, so, but it it's it's nice if if you want, I can always forward this to you if you want to sit and read it. Um, but it it's nice. I can look it up too. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, and he, he goes at the end on here to say, I still don't know what to make of this, but hopefully you'll have better luck with it now that you have the materials. So, yeah, it, it, I have to sit down and read the whole thing, which, um, don't want to do here for obvious reasons since, you know, we want to get to some more stuff. Um, but it's definitely interesting material if you want to kind of get a 
better idea of something in this show that's certainly not a bad idea. So, yeah. Yeah, after season three wraps up, I think I'm going to have to read the books over again and just see if you can catch anything new that kind of ties in with it. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> All right, so... We have uh, an email here from – oh, by the way, uh, Dave, thank you for the email. Um, I'm sorry I didn't read the whole thing uh, with the, the text and stuff there. Usually if you send an email, I'm just going to read the whole thing. But it was quite a long bit of text there, and I think it's probably something that we'll get around to reading it, um, you know, the whole thing. Just uh, didn't want to really do it for the whole episode here um, because it's just quite a bit of, of talking. Even I can't talk that much. <laughs> Actually, it's probably as much a, as we try. Well, that might be a lie, but close enough. Um, all right, so we have an, an email here from Stephen uh, Schinder. He says, In this episode, Graham calls Jack Crawford a fisher of men. I remember him being described as this in Silence of the Lambs novel. I always thought that this was a reference to Jesus Christ, which would make sense since J.C. would either would, could be either Jesus Christ or Jack Crawford. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Nice. Uh, the scene in which Francis imagines that Hannibal is in his presence was a strange because there was an instance where Hannibal seemed to be in two places at once and speaking without moving his lips, which I've noticed that too, actually. Um, still trying to figure that out. When Hannibal asks Will how he imagines him communicating with the Red Dragon, his reference to personal ads and notes on toilet paper in the Red Dragon novel. Yes. Uh, I did get that. Yes, I did, I did get that. Yeah, we picked up yeah, on that it was one. A, it was uh, a cute little snide remark. Yeah. And um, he says, I love the scene in which Francis goes to Will's address. Brian Fuller has said that it is an homage to The Shining and that the, the sniping of the diver or the driver is an homage to Wolf Creek. I have never seen the latter, but I watched The Shining recently. Though it's different from the novel, it was visually beautiful, juxtaposed with, her, uh, with horrific moments, just like this show. After all, the bathroom in the, in the pilot was, was made to look like the one from The Shining. Wally watching baseball was a nice touch because in the novel, Willie's deceased after, or deceased father is a baseball player. I was sad to see Francis, uh, break up with Reba. Can't she see that he is just trying to protect her from the killer inside of him? Well, I don't, I don't think, obviously, that she thinks of that because otherwise I think she'd be screaming and running out of the, of the, uh, place. Plus so. she probably can't see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously that, that tends to help sight. Um, <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> yes, bad, bad. Um, so then it says, This episode aired on on the day that Mads Mikkelsen was announced as a cast member in a Star Wars spin-off movie, Rogue One, yes. coming December 2016. What are the chances that he'll be eating stormtroopers? Uh, <laughs> if, if only... I hope they have a nice nod in there somewhere about Hannibal. Well, they're um, a terrible shot. He's got to ring him in somehow. Yes, I'm sure he can figure out a way to talk him into it. Um, he says, I was excited by the news about Star Wars and uh, Toy, Toy Story Land, but when are we getting Hannibal Land, as mentioned in another podcast? Am I right? Well, yep. it would be quite creepy, but I would be totally up for it. Mystery food. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thanks, uh, Stephen, for that uh, email. Uh, great points there, as usual. Bringing up some nice, uh, some nice stuff here. Uh, just talking about Wolf Creek and The Shining, and you know, oh, little instances from the book, and yeah, just some really great stuff. And, and you know, don't you know, 
don't think that we're not going to get more Hannibal because I said it before, I'll say it again. Until someone comes out and says this will not happen, we are we are never bringing this back ever again, then I'm just going to believe that there's a chance that it will be back. Yes, I, I'm going to believe thoroughly that it'll return someday. Better not be 30 years from now, but one to three I can probably handle. Yes, definitely, definitely. But I think it's going to be close to somewhere about a year from now. Something like Fingers that. Fingers crossed. So, uh, maybe we'll get a, a, a some kind of announcement between ten months and a year. That's what I'm thinking. So, I need one now, man. <laughs> well, it's true. I just need to know. Yes, we are addicted, obviously. Yes. Um. All right. So yes. Yeah, so thanks for all the uh, all the feedback, everyone. Um. Keep keep throwing it back here. I know we've got two episodes to go, but they are two brand new episodes, and I want to get your thoughts. I want to get your opinions on um, all things Hannibal. So, yes. so send it in to hungryforhannibal at gmail dot com. Um, that's all one long, you know, word hungryforhannibal uh, at gmail dot com, and I uh, will get your your feedback on the episode. So it'll be great. And even if you have like predictions about what you think is going to happen in the last episode, send those in too. We'd love to read them. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I when I talk about the episode, do a recap, or I, I toss out a final word segment, um, yeah, sure. I mean, it'd be great if you could you could answer that. But if you don't want to and you want to bring up something else, do it. I mean, that's great. And you know, we want all kinds of feedback. And it could be about an episode. It could be just general thoughts. It could be... Or like uh, like Sarah just said, you know, it could be predictions. So yes. that's not that's not a bad thing. It's creeping up on us. <laughs> it is indeed. Um. So yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, crazy two episodes here, and uh, I can't wait to to see what happens. Yes. So uh, before I get uh, before we kind of wrap this up here, I wanted to mention something real quick. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or you started recently and had maybe gone back and listened to, uh, you know, the other episodes. You may have uh, remembered a final word segment where I talked about a saturation point when it comes to uh, TV, and there was an interview with I can't remember his name right now. Actually, uh, oh, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> let me see. Furious uh, laptop typing. Yeah. Um, okay. Hold on. Um, it was, it's an FX, FX CEO. Oh, here it is. Um, uh, it's uh, FX CEO uh, John Langraff. And he says, and this is, we can pretty much take this to the bank. It says there is simply too much television. And he goes on to talk about how as a, a network president, he has to be aware of what all the other networks have on the air. That's You have to be aware of what your competition has. And he says, I actually can't tell you this year, starting this year, what all the shows are around on all the all the networks and all the cable and all that stuff and all the platforms he he basically just goes on to say that we we are hitting a point now where we literally do not have enough time to watch all the shows that exist 
that that we don't have the ability to watch shows that we really want to watch because we simply don't have time. And um, I'm really glad that he came out and said this because I do think we're hitting a point now, I think it's probably even last year, where there's so much on, even really good stuff, and you just can't watch it all. And you kind of got to pick the the handful of things that you can watch. And and I just I totally agree. And I just want I want your opinion on this because I know I've tossed it out there before, but does it bother you? I guess is the question. You know, does it bother you that there are all these shows on there? And there's shows that I started watching. You know, first two three episodes liked it, but just haven't had time to sit down and really keep going with it. And it's not a lack of interest or that the, the show isn't very good. It's just I have X amount of hours and there's like five times as much TV. And what do I do? I know, it's so true. There's just, we don't have any time anymore. Like, heck, I still haven't finished Lost. And I started that like a good solid year, two years ago. And I still haven't gotten around to finishing it. And I'm proud of myself that I actually sat down and finished Breaking Bad a while ago, but there's just so much to watch, and we just have time to be able to finish watching what we already love. Yeah. I mean, this is even people that just say, hey, look, I'm just going to ignore my hobbies and just sit and get out catch up on TV. And even then, it's too hard. Yeah. You know, there's just so many shows out there, and the, and the quality is such such a high level. You know, we've got actors coming, like Hollywood actors, you know, people that have been doing movies their whole life pretty much that are now coming down to TV because they know that's where the great stories are at, you yes. know, and then you got great directors, you got visionary directors that are as stylish as anything that you see um, in movie theaters that are coming down and they're really just adding their flair to, to the episode, which of course only makes it better. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, it all... The point is, we just don't have enough time, and I really want them to rein this stuff in and start looking to say, okay, let's keep the quality really high, and and let's work on making this manageable. So, yeah. yeah. So, give me your opinion. You know, do you like it? Do you like that there's so many options that you know you never get tired of 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 there's being so much TV that you literally couldn't watch everything if if you had a free week for yourself with nothing to do. Um, give me your thoughts. Give me your opinions. Uh, send it to send it to the podcast. Let me know your thoughts and opinions on the saturation point of TV, and do you think it could actually hurt us in the long run? Yeah, because there's going to be stuff that's going to be great, and we're going to have going to miss because we just don't have time for it. I mean, like even now, like we used to have guilty pleasures a few years ago. I can't even watch those anymore because I'm still trying to keep up with what's really good and worth watching. Yeah. yeah. Guilty pleasures don't exist anymore because there's like two guilty pleasures you'd like to watch, but the problem is is you have nine other shows that are not guilty pleasures. They're simply just amazing and you need to watch them. Yes, exactly. Like, I'd love to binge watch the latest episode of America's Next Top Model, but I just can't. <laughs> I have to devote time to this show on HBO that just premiered. Exactly. So... Stuff that you want your ratings to go towards. Exactly. Like Hannibal. Yes. So, so okay. Uh, I guess this kind of wraps up the, the, what? We've got two episodes left for the season. Um, mm-hmm. for all the people out there, yes, this, this podcast will continue. 
Um, after the season is over, we will do a a final um, season. Well, it's going to be a recap of, of obviously of the episode itself, but it's also going to be a series. Or well, we're going to do a season recap and do a, what I'm going to call it a soft series um, recap and uh, review. And basically, we're going to have some people on here. I'm going to get in contact with them here in the next couple of days and see if they would like to join us for a special, very special podcast episode here at the end of the season. And we can uh, really dig deep into the show and not just the season, but the series as a whole. So, Heck yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up, everyone, for another episode of the Hunger for Hannibal podcast. I uh, hope you've enjoyed, you know, listening to to me ramble on as usual. I do it so well. Apparently, it's like a superpower, <laughs> and um, yeah, they call me the mouth. Uh, oh wait, isn't that from the Goonies? Another one kid they call him Mouth or something, like the one that doesn't shut up. I haven't seen the Goonies. <laughs> okay. I feel guilty. I know. Okay. I know. I need to watch it. Okay. Well, you know, I, we're gonna get our first hate mail. I, watch the Goonies. <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna go die now. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, that actually hurts my brain. Okay, my brain is hurting right now. It's on my list. My brain is tired, and then now it's hurting. Now I'm getting a migraine. I'm I can't, sorry. I can't, I can't even throw out a casual, everybody knows this reference kind of thing, and you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, no. So put that on your list, and you have better watched it by the season's end. Okay. <laughs> All right. Or else you're not going to be the co-host anymore. <laughs> that's that's right. Watch the Goonies or else. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. So, anyway, that being said, uh, I hope everyone had a good time. Uh, this has been great, as usual. Um, we'll be back here uh, recording next week. Get your e- – look, I'm going to be recording around pretty much the same time. Uh, if you want to be on the podcast with your – you can send it in any time. I don't really care. Uh, but if you do want your your uh, feedback on the next episode, you need to have your feedback uh, in my box by, I would say, the very latest. And I mean very latest. You want to have it in my inbox by 930 on Tuesday, Tuesday because that's when I'm pretty much sitting down to record. So get if you can get it in by that point, it can it'll definitely be on the, on the episode. Yes, so. and that is – it's – 6.30 Pacific time. Yeah, 9.30 Eastern. Eastern, yeah. Yeah. That's so, what I'm looking for. That's right. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I've uh, had a great time, and uh, I'm sure I'll be hungry for Hannibal here again real soon, and Sarah will. Of course. And uh, we will see you next time. Have a good night, Hannibals. All right, good night. <laughs>